How's everybody doing? Good? Good. So we've been in this series, and by that we've been in the series, it's been one week, and so this is our second week, in this series called Organic Faith. And so looking at how we cultivate a life with Christ that brings sustained growth. And so when we started this last week, and, and, and I'm excited as we, as we move forward in this, and I, I really want to invite you into this journey. So we're going to be doing this over the next couple months, um, really going over some, some, some key things, some key practices, and, and really digging into what's going on inside us. And I, I, I really believe that if, if you kind of jump on this journey with us, then you're going to see some, 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 some serious changes in your life. And, and so what that means is kind of participate in the practical tips. That means, you know, if you miss a week, check it out online. Um, because I just I want us all to do this together. And as we're doing this, at the same time as we're doing the fast, I think some really, really cool things are going um, to happen, and we're going to see God moving. So last week as we began, um, we talked about how do we develop a faith that grows naturally as opposed to being forced by a specific set of definitions. And so we want to look at not like the manual, for, for developing our faith, but actually, how does it happen naturally? Um, God, God, you know, Jesus used a lot of parables and illustrations as they related to nature. And so there's something about understanding kind of the principles of the world around us, of biology and physics and these other things that help us understand kind of the way God operates. They're, I mean, they're his laws, right? He, he created it. And, and so as we learn about those things as, and as we understand those things, we can actually apply them to our, our, our development and, and our faith journey. Uh, we discussed last week that one of the first things that must take place is to go to a place of having a friendship with God. Changing our orientation from like an instructor-teacher relationship to an orientation of, of, of master and apprentice. We talked about how we can create the elements needed to foster a deep faith and when those elements are there, our faith can't help but grow. And so today we take the next steps and address some of the shackles around our faith, the things that stunt our growth and can often keep us in a circular pattern. And if you remember that circular pattern we talked about last week, you know, it'll sound familiar. So let's start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this scripture and the next one, they, they kind of like, in, in one way, kind of like sum up kind of the Christian life. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, and, and the next part of this letter, in chapter 3, he says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So he made us new, and we can do the things which he wants us to do. And so what are all those things? Like, as you look at that first scripture that God prayed in advance for us to do, what are those things? And so one way that we could sum this up, I, I like to do like in Micah, which is like, you know what the Lord asks of you? Seek justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with our God. And so when he says, like, was God prepared in advance for us to do, those are the things I think about. 
However, all of these things are very difficult to do when we're not living in our new creation. You know, when it says that we are God's handiwork, he like, he forms us into that. And so how do we become that new creation that he talks about? See, that's the, transfer- that's the transformation that takes place when we talk about it. It's like we're not just trying to fix what's broken, which is what a lot of kind of faith ends up trying to be. And kind of our, a lot of what kind of our modern context ends up trying to be, we try to fix what, what's broken. But instead, God is saying, hey, you don't have to fix what's broken. I've given you something new. I've given you a, a new body, a new image, a new reality that you, can, that you can live in. And through that, you're able to do these things. Y'all with me so far? Okay. So when we take the brokenness that we have in our lives, and we kind of shift our perspective to actually, you know, in this friendship with God, he, he, he takes that brokenness and he forms us into the likeness of Christ, into Jesus. And so when we say transformation, that's, that's what we're talking about. And so the following scripture, so if that first scripture is the what, the second scripture is the how. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Freedom brings us to the creator. It brings us access to the creator, to the rescuer, and our faith brings us closer and makes us even more free. And so it's this beautiful cycle. As as we find our freedom in God, our faith brings us closer to God. And as we get closer to God, he gives us more freedom. And as we get more freedom, and the cycle continues. It's actually much better than the cycle we talked about last week, right? And so, but it starts with freedom, when our relationship with God is based on freedom, when we are confident in our identity in Christ, when we are certain of his deep love for us, that is how we get there. That is how our faith grows. It's simple. Freedom, confidence. But it's oh so hard, isn't it? So what makes it so hard? Why does it seem to be so difficult to, to, to live in this, in this freedom? Why does it seem so difficult to have confidence without that turning into arrogance, right? Why, why is that so hard? You know, our demonstrations of faith often give us less freedom, less confidence, and less access. I mean, it's a bit ironic that the very things that, we are, supposed to, that, that are supposed to bring us closer to God actually end up making it harder to get there. And so I, I experienced kind of something like, not, not really this, but I, I just remember, so when I was, when I was playing ball, um, we worked out, like, all the time. We had, we had practice in the morning at 5 a.m. We had, like, gym. And it, so it was, like, four or five hours a day of, of, of working out. And, and I loved it. And it was because we were just constantly training, getting stronger, getting faster, getting better, because we wanted to, you know, we wanted to win. We, we wanted to be better athletes. And, and so, like, I had this, this mindset of, like, and, and this kind of, this value of, of, of exercise and, and, of, and, of, and of being in shape and like, this is how, this is how you do this. This, this is what this accomplish, accomplishes. Well, after I stopped playing ball and, and I got into my early 20s and I like started working out again, um, I was working out in the same way, I didn't realize this <laughs> at the time, but I was working out in the same way I did when I was like 16. And like with that amount of intensity, with that amount of effort, and it was killing me. But in my mind, and through all, like, 
football indoctrination. <laughs> it was just like, no, this is what you have to do to be successful. You work out this hard. The problem was, that doesn't work as you get older, <laughs> right? And now in my 30s, it really doesn't work as it gets older. <laughs> and it's like, I don't recover as fast. I, I, you know, things hurt more. They, they break more often. And so all of a sudden, it's just like, in my mind, I have this idea, this is, how you, this is what exercise means, and this is its purpose. But I was taking, like, this, this very narrow understanding of it, which was for a specific purpose, and trying to apply it to, like, regular life, and it didn't work. It's like, I, I needed to take the, the, the principles of it, but instead I was taking the routines of it. Does that story help? Does that make sense? How we, like, can can do that. And so, like, I had to get to a place where I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not training for a season. <laughs> I'm not actually in training mode right now. I just need to exercise. And so I had to, ch- and it took a long time for me to, to actually get to the point where I actually changed my routine to doing things that were easier, <laughs> less stressful on my body, and actually became more enjoyable. And, and, and as I did that, it be, exercise became fun again and became more natural. Um, because I understood what the purpose was, and it wasn't just about this, this doing this thing that I, I, I was supposed to do. But it's like, you got to understand, like, how much, like, our mindsets are formed at certain, age, at, at certain times, and we just operate out of that without even realizing it, you know? And so it's like what happens is when we, when we do this, this walk of faith, it's like adding ankle weights. You know, ankle weights are great for training, They're not so good for the actual match, (laughs) right? But that's what we do. You know, it's like we we, we put on the ankle weights for training, we forget to take them off. The whole point of the ankle weights is to to get us, to to, to make us faster, but we we keep them on. And so how do we take off those weights? One thing we must all continue to look at is our ideology versus our practice. You know, we talked last week about being willing to face our doctrines and not get so wrapped up in them that they stop being what it is they profess. We we talked about being willing to let some of our doctrines go in order to meet God in a place that exists beyond our theological boundaries. And it's something that we all have to do. And, And it's something that I said last week that we all have some level of doctrine the doctrine isn't the problem, it's when it becomes the weight that is a problem for us or for others. We end up putting that weight on others. You know, we get so comfortable in our belief systems and the things we say that we often miss how our actions actually counter what we say we believe. How often do we put expectations on ourselves or on others that are unattainable or just straight up unfair? Do we even recognize when we're doing this? This is a result of kind of this mismatch between our ideology and our practice. How often do we proclaim that God so loved the world, but our faith stances don't allow us to actually love everyone? Like, there's a clear contradiction there that we have to be able to look at. And look, often when we say that, we mean it. We mean that God so loved the world. We truly do believe it, and we truly want to love everyone. But when it requires us to sacrifice something, to sacrifice our assumptions, to sacrifice our comfort, we end up missing it, and we end up not demonstrating that love. 
And so this thing, we don't want to do that, right? We don't, we don't want to, like, miss it. We don't want to not be loving. We don't want to be accused of, of that. And so what happens? We stay in our boxes of this is what faith is. And so we don't have to challenge ourselves with the reality of, hey, maybe I'm not actually practicing what that is with others. The unfortunate thing is it also restricts and contains our growth. I know this is challenging to think about, and it can stir some discomfort, but don't worry. We're going to get to the good part soon. But sometimes in order to face those contradictions, it gets uncomfortable. But sometimes it takes that to bring freedom, usually always. So this is what Jesus was talking about in a message to the Pharisees, actually several messages to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the days of, 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 of Jesus. They were the ones that were kind of in charge of, of the spiritual um, growth of, of, of Israel. And Jesus was constantly removing the ankle weights. He was constantly removing the barriers, the expectations, and the rules that were supposed to lead people to God, but instead were keeping him far away. That's what happened then. And what's funny is that as we see in Paul, like he actually talks about how like it just, it's almost like just human nature for us to take rules that were meant for good and just to harden them and actually they end up being the reverse of what they were intended to be. And so why would it surprise us that as the church and as Christians, we wouldn't do the same thing? Are we really that different from, 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 from our Jewish brethren? No. And so we have to constantly observe and we have to constantly look at and constantly work within ourselves. Where have I taken these, these principles, these rules, and hardened them so much that I'm actually adding barriers to Christ instead of removing them? Jesus told this story in the same message about two debtors. He said, if I'm going to make up some names right now, because I can't remember the names right now. It's in Luke 7. But uh, say, say, say Mark owes John $500. Okay, this is a very, like, paraphrased, modern version of this parable, of this story. All right, so say Mark owes John $500. Say Mary owes John $1,000. And John forgives the both of them. Who is more grateful? And Jesus is like, you are correct the one who owed more. And so the whole principle in that story he told was when we think, we add these barriers to people, we add these expectations, often when we don't know how much we've been forgiven, and so we place those same barriers on others. And so what he's saying is those who have received more love are more loving. It's just the way it works. You know, there's, there, there's a certain principle, some would call it a law of nature. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Right? We all know that, that physics law. Well, there's also something, as Jesus is, is telling this story, that we need to understand. The more forgiveness we receive, the more kindness we receive, 
the more love that we receive, the more understanding we receive, the more we are able to put out. And so the reverse is also true. If we are lacking that towards others, that means we're probably also lacking it in our lives. So how do we dismantle this? One of the ways to walk in more freedom and walk with others to do the same is to look at our activities and ask the questions, are the actions in our lives and in our faith activities or are they creating progress? Is it busy work or are we going somewhere? So one of the things I've had to spend a large part of my life working through bless you, <laughs> is kind of the, the performance um, narrative that's been a part of my life for a long time. You know, it used to be there are days where I actually feel really good about myself. I feel really accomplished and even more valuable as a person after I did a lot of things that day when I was just super productive. I felt better about myself. I was like, yeah, I'm doing good. The more tired I was, the more I felt I earned my worth and I could relax. The, vice versa, the, the, the reverse was also true. The less I did, the worse I felt. The more energy I had, oh, something's wrong. I'm not doing enough. It also must mean I'm not enough for God right now. And so that was, that was a paradigm for, for me. The harder you work, the more valuable you are. That's also kind of a story that exists within our culture to its detriment. So I have a question for you that I had to ask myself, how am I measuring success and or growth? For me, it was clearly, it was determined by how much I could do or accomplish and how well it was done. That was how I measured success. My faith was tied to my performance and it, and it grew, it did, but it kept hitting walls because you can only do so much. But my faith was tied to how much I could do. And each time I hit a wall, so this thing, not only did, I, did like my faith hit walls, I physically hit walls. Like, I, I would get so sick. I mean, twice. I've had serious medical issues. One, I nearly died from because I worked so hard. And each time I hit that wall, I realized I had to do less and less. But it took a while for me to realize that doing less and less was what I needed to do, but that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't that I was doing too much, is that I tied my value to what I was doing. Can anyone else relate to this? This is me right here. Maybe you're a little different. Maybe your measurement for success is not based on how hard you work. Maybe it's determined by how many people you can get saved, or by how many good versus bad things you do throughout the day. Anyone like that? You don't have to raise your hand. 
Leno's bowls. You don't have to raise your hand. Now, I realize, like, some of those statements are like, wait, that's what we're supposed to do. But those are kind of the narratives and the doctrines I want to examine and, and kind of break down because these are not inherently bad things. The issue is when they become the scale that determine our worth toward God and each other. See, because when we have that same scale, we put that same scale on others. Oh, you haven't worked hard enough. You're not a good Christian. We don't say it like that, right? But that's how our attitudes and our behaviors come out. How many people have you got saved today? <laughs> right? And we, and we make it like this race, and we make it this value. We put a price on it. God's measurement for growth and success is very different than ours. And like I said, these things aren't inherently bad. When we don't address how our worth is tied to them, they end up becoming destructive. Every single one, and, and the ones I mentioned, and you can add to that list. When we don't recognize how they're tied to our worth, we go to the extreme, and we don't even realize it. I've had to work very hard <laughs> to change the story that, that the story that, I, that, that was going on in my mind, to change the story that says I'm only valuable when I work myself to the bone. I had to change that story. Not only because of the destructiveness it caused, but because of the bondage it was over my life. It was changed. That is a chain on my life. Now look, I'm not there yet at all. Let me be super clear about that. But there has been so much freedom as I've changed that story to I'm God's handiwork. I was created by him to do good works. And my value was found in that. Not in how much I can do, but that as my value is found in that, then I can do the things that I need to do without the pressure without the anxiety, without the weight of wondering if I'm good enough. And I have way more to go and way more stories to change. That's what we, that's what we have. We, you know, we have these stories in our lives that tell us something, and we have to find Jesus' story, which is going to tell us the truth. We have to shift our focus from our personal faith and righteousness Right, like we, we, get in our, we, we, we get into these patterns of like focusing on our individual faith and righteousness. And we have to shift our focus from that to God's faith and God's righteousness that he's inviting us into. Then it's not about pass or fail. Then it's about the journey. It's not about activity and doing things. It's actually about progress. I've also learned that when it seems I don't measure up, when I fail at being and doing what God wants me to be, it has absolutely no bearing of his acceptance of me. None whatsoever. It has no bearing on his value of me. And then in turn, I can begin to have that same orientation towards myself. 
There's only been one person who's consistently rejected me over and over again, more than anybody else. Me. And so I've had to change that story. So what story is driving you? What story is pushing you to the brink? What story had you frozen, unable to move, because you don't want to fail? What story needs to change? You know, with faith comes discipline. But when we focus on discipline, we miss what comes before it and what comes after it. Right? When we make faith about discipline, yeah, that, that's a part of it. But, but there's actually other things around it that matter. See, often our lives of faith require spiritual disciplines. And that's, that can be Bible reading, prayer, giving, serving, and, and much more than that. And, and we're going to continue to look at those and continue to look at the ones that have been kind of ignored for, for many years and continue to unpack that in our lives and in our journey. But it would be wrong of me to impose that on you if you didn't have a desire to know and be changed by God. Like, if you didn't have that desire for me to say, oh, no, you need to just pray more. Like, that would be, I would be like a Pharisee. It would be wrong if I forced to push those disciplines on you to a point to where I made it a replacement for God. The disciplines only work when they are done from a place of freedom and not obligation. That, that's the only way they really actually help us. Through, to where the, When they're done from a place of obligation, it's activity. It's just things we're doing. When it's done from a place of freedom, we're actually going somewhere. And that freedom creates the desire and more of it. And that desire drives the discipline. So that's the thing. We don't start with discipline. We start with desire. And when that desire is there, it drives the discipline. You know, if anyone here has ever been a teenager or has a teenager, you, you know that sometimes trying to get them to do things that they need to do is tough. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll put it that way, right? Every parent here is like, oh, my gosh, yes. But when it's something your 15-year-old wants to do, you don't even have to try, right? They will spend hours studying or doing that thing that they love because they want to do it. So as we experience a life of freedom with God, it does create a desire for him in us. That desire, though, is often hidden or redirected by any number of things around us. One of the ways to discover the desires in us is to, remi- to, to reduce the amount of input in our lives. And so this is the thing. We, we have a lot of things coming at us, a lot of things coming at us, right? I mean, that's, that's just the nature and the status of where we are. There is constantly things to do constant input, and, and often the, we, we are doing things because we feel like we should be doing those things. And so what we have to do is actually start reducing some of those things, creating some more margin, like take a couple of them off the schedule, okay? And then as you do that, is 
what's going to happen is that you're going to become, start becoming aware of what's going on inside you. But that can only happen as we kind of remove a couple distractions, right? Like, and this thing, we, we kind of add those distractions so we don't have to be aware of what's going on inside us, right? It's a nice little kind of way to get out of that. I know I used to do that. I go, I would always put on music in the car. Have it ready whenever I'm driving so I don't have to be alone with myself. <laughs> so in the same way, if we can get alone with ourselves for just a little bit throughout the week, we can become aware of desires that are in us. Often those desires show up as hunger or maybe even as pain that we're like, we want healing from. And so instead of numbing it, if we just let it come to the surface, we can actually say, okay, I have this desire. I have this hunger. Now what do I do with it? Now you can look at what activity you've been doing to, to, to hide that desire and hide that hunger and actually redirect it towards God, and he's going to fulfill it in a way that you can't possibly imagine. But as we do that one thing, it, it, just, it, it just changes things. And so maybe as you do that, you start to see God maybe in the ways you have before, but from a different angle. Now you're not just reading because you're supposed to read. Maybe now you're reading, looking for God to quench that desire. Or maybe you just try something new altogether. You seek him in a different way. See, as we shift from doing things to bring our desires to him, he feel, he, he's just going to show up. And all of a sudden, those disciplines, those things we're doing to seek him out, aren't just disciplines anymore. They're a delight. They're fun. They're exciting. And yeah, sometimes it's work, but it's just fun. It's like we have to get, change this narrative in Christianity that like being with God is just like miserable. <laughs> like I don't know where that narrative came from. It's like I know I dealt with it for a long time. Like, oh no, it's supposed to be like hard to connect with God. It's like no, life is hard enough, <laughs> right? He's not trying to make it hard. We end up making it hard. And so let's, let's, let's not make it so hard. You know, one of those ways that I did that, and this is, this is my last story, came with prayer. So my mom was, is, as you would, as some would call, a prayer warrior. <laughs> up at 5 o'clock every morning, on our knees praying. And I don't know where I would be without that, let me tell you. Just on the real. And in the tradition that I grew up, there, there was uh, like functions of how to pray. Like this is how you pray. And, and so in my mind, I'm just like, okay, I have, to, I have to pray for this long in this kind of way. And that's how I grow in faith, and that's how I connect to God. This is the problem. I would, like, dread it at times. <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't like praying like that. This is the other problem. When I couldn't, like, get to a certain amount, 30 minutes an hour, I just felt bad. Like, oh, man, I must really not be spiritual since I can't pray for an hour. And mind you, it's not like my mom put any of that on me. That's just how, that's just, that's how we internalize things, right? 
And so we just, we internalize it and it becomes a box around us. And so that's how I internalize it, like this is how you're supposed to pray. And so I would feel guilty that I couldn't pray that long. I would, there are times when I like, I'm just like dreading it. And I'm like, okay, something has to be different. Something's got to change. And so I, I finally discovered <laughs> that I actually didn't need to pray like that. And, and I was able to pray in a way that was more natural to me. And for me, that was through walking um, and praying. And often in silent prayer. I'm, I'm a very contemplative person. I don't talk a lot in like, as much as you can't believe that. Um, from here, I actually don't talk a lot in like more um, private settings. And so I realized, oh wait, I can, and, and I, I didn't just realize, it's like someone gave me permission to actually seek God in that way. And not just walking, like often when I would walk in nature, like I could just like experience God. And I started doing that and things just came alive. And let me tell you, I could go for hours. I would walk miles without even realizing it because I'm just praying and enjoying time with my friend. It changed everything. It changed my whole relationship. I didn't have to like psych myself up to do it. See, before, I would, like, try to rush through prayer so that I could get on with my day. Now, I can't wait till I can just get back. Like, that's a complete 180. It brought so much transformation in my life, in my soul, and in my character. It also helped me to be, helped me to be not so focused on doing. So that story that I had to change in my life, that that. that that reversal for me came in this time of prayer when I realized I don't have to do. And so I create more margin now in my day, right? And so now there's more space. And then all of a sudden, I'm able to see more things. I see more people around me. I see someone in need. And that could be a physical need or, or a spiritual or emotional need. And all of a sudden, that person isn't an annoyance and a burden on my day. Because I'm not trying to get back to my day. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't share that. But that's how it felt. I'm going to be raw right now. Like, yeah, I mean, this, this, this person is an annoyance right now. This person is a burden. I have things to do. But not anymore. Now I can just say, hey, what's, what's going on? What's happening in your life right now? Because that's the thing that God had prepared me in advance to do. And it's the same with everyone here. And I, I don't want you to feel, feel guilty about what I'm saying. Please hear me. That My whole point is to remove the guilt. But to see what happens and the opportunities that are available or actually just to have space with him. And so as I changed my whole paradigm of what prayer is and realized that it actually has a much larger meaning than I realized, my whole context changed. And this thing, this, as I do that, I begin to leave my story. I get to leave my wants and how things are affecting me. And all of a sudden, I get to see God's story. I get to see God's wants, and I get to see the lives that he's affecting. That he say, come on, 
Let's go do this. Like, it's a very different paradigm. Now, what's funny in all this is that I still struggle at the end of the day, like, dang, did I do enough? That, that, that story still comes back. There are times when, I, when, I, when I'm spending time with God, and I'm like, yo, that was a little bit too easy. Like, it sounds ridiculous, right? But I really feel like, no, that was a little bit too easy. I have to work harder. Like, it is a twisted lie that we don't have to be a part of anymore. Like, it doesn't have to be this difficult thing to walk with God. He said there will be trials and tribulations. Yes, life is hard enough. He's not making it harder. He wants to make it easier. In fact, he said, I want to give you my burden, which is light. I want to give you my yoke, which is easy. So it's just like, that's one of those things, right? Like my ideology says that God wants me to connect with him as a friend. It's supposed to be easy. My practice is making it really hard. Something is wrong. So let's, let's look at how we can reverse that. Look, there are many times when I need to be, when I need to discipline myself. Like, it's not always easy, right? There are times when I need to, like, I need to, like, push through, right? That's a part of life. But when it becomes crushing, I know there's a problem. The, the solution isn't to, to stop, turn away. When I talk about freedom, it doesn't mean we ignore the cost of that freedom. The solution is to see what's going on in my heart, to examine if I'm doing this out of obligation or choice or out of duty or love, and then shift gears and move out of desire, choice, and loving obedience. Sometimes you just have to find another way to connect. It's okay to take a risk. It's okay to try something new. But the goal is to connect with our friendship, to walk step by step with the master. And sometimes, often, it doesn't fit in the boxes we have been told are the only way. Okay, practical tips. Ran a little long. Sorry about that. Take this time, take time this week observing where there's a contradiction between what you believe or say you believe and the actions or attitudes you have. Journal and talk with God about how you can address that contradiction. Number two. Look at your calendar from the previous month. How many of those things were activities in your life? And how many created progress in your spiritual journey? Create more room for progress and create room to seek what your true desires are. So this is the thing, right? As we go down this, our mind is going to say, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to address that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to see what my true hunger is. I've done a good job up to this point hiding it or numbing it. So the discipline here is just to push past it push past that and see what's really going on. And then you'll be able to find some more depth. Number three, what's one spiritual exercise you do that feels like a burden 
where there's no desire, where there's no delight, kind of like the one I told you about, like the way I was praying. What's, what's one of those you have? Start looking for different ways to connect with God that's more natural to you. See, the problem we have, especially as leaders, is that we say, oh, this is how I've done it. You should do it the same way. Like, no. It's not how this goes. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> so find a way that's more natural to you. And if, like I said, sometimes it feels wrong. You're like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I am giving you permission. Take a chance. See what can happen. Let's stand. At this time, we're going to enter communion. And so I want to read from you the scripture from 1 Corinthians. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So as we do communion this morning, I want you to do something. As you approach God at the table, what shackles, what chains, what bondage, especially those of religion, are on you that you want to be free from? God is a God of redemption and of rescue. The communion reminds us that Jesus came to bring us freedom. So what are those shackles? And as we meet God at the table right now, seek that freedom in your life. I'm also going to ask the prayer team to come up during this time of worship. There's going to be a, a team here and a team here. And so if you're recognizing a specific weight on your life and you want some prayer to like remove that, our team would love to pray with you, to join you in that. If you're feeling like you're recognizing some, some weights that you put on others and you just want to confess that and just turn from that and just like start, start new, our team would love to pray with you for that. And anything else, if you're like, I'm feeling compelled to, I want to start this journey, what does that look like? How do I do this? I want you to come up for prayer. Our team would love to pray for you. Anything else that's going on in your life, that's what we're, that's what we're here to do. This is the word. Let's worship.